Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. So today we have this Sean Johnson. He is a singer, storyteller, and teacher of spirituality and yoga. He is the founder of Wild Lotus Yoga, the Soul School Teacher Training Program, and the Wild Lotus Band in New Orleans, known for its mix of mantras, rock, funk, and world music. And I'm super excited that we have hooked up with him because he just is one of my favorite artists. So I'm so happy to have him on. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much, Shanna. Thank you, Mandy. So grateful to be here with y'all. Yes, and shout out to Christy Christensen for hooking this meeting up. I was really, truly just going to, you know, make a suggestion that she listen to this amazing band that I love. And she's like, yeah, like, I know him. (laughs) Thank you, Christy. (laughs) Love you. (laughs) Yeah, she's awesome. I love her energy, too. She's just super high vibe. Mm -hmm. She seems like she'd be really fun to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Full of life. Full of life. Shakti. (laughs) Lots of Shakti, for sure. I love that. She owns it. So great to meet you. Oh, you too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so grateful. I listened to uh, some episodes and love what y'all are doing and super grateful to be a part of it. Listen up. Listen to your heart. Not to the voices that are pulling you apart. No, listen up. Listen. Listen to your heart. Listen up, listen to your heart, not to the voices that are pulling you, pulling you. Listen up, listen, listen to your heart. Well, the river dried up, but it flows inside you. Love disappeared, but it's hiding right behind you. Listen up, listen, listen to your heart. What feels so far away is so close you can't see it. Gotta close your eyes and trust to believe it. Listen up, listen, listen to your heart. Well, it's been a windy road, I forget this often. Wanna be reminded, wanna make this offering. Listen up, listen, listen to your heart. Well, I've reached for the truth and I've searched for the ghoul. Gonna tell you straight, she's hiding right inside you. Listen up, listen, listen to your heart. Oh, listen up, listen to your heart. God, that's so beautiful. The guru is inside you. Like, that message is so strong. It's one that Mandy and I really believe in. Let's talk about New Orleans real quick. Being from New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, born and raised. I suppose it's a big part of, you know, who I am and the music and, you know, a lot of what I do. I love New Orleans because it's such a distinct culture, you know, unto itself, you know, which I find sometimes America can get a little, you know, homogenized. And I just feel blessed, uh, lucky, you know, that I got to be born here in a place that has a kind of a indigenous culture, you know, unto itself. So we have our own holidays and our own cuisine and there's a lot of even language you know that doesn't necessarily translate to other places and rituals definitely you know a distinct kind of history from the rest of the country and architecture and Mm. the the whole vibe you know of the city yeah Yeah, it's polar opposite to Colorado yeah I know totally different (laughs) I mean I always think and like we went from being under sea level to being 
a mile high over right. sea level. <laughs> you know, they don't have snowballs here. The only kind they have is in the winter. <laughs> when I first came here, they didn't know what gumbo was or anything. It was oh, awful. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody's got a gumbo. She came to my house one night and made me gumbo. And I was like, I'm making brew and I'm like what what is that like rhubarb it took her a very long time you put a lot of love in that you know that's exactly what makes a roux is the love that goes into it yeah, yeah you're right <laughs> you know and nobody <laughs> has momos here either no momos huh <laughs> you don't go by your mama's house on Sunday <laughs> nope <laughs> you know my parents met on the presidentship Wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So I always say I owed my life to the muddy Mississippi, but they <laughs> definitely were all about music as well. That's great. But the soul that comes out in your music, I think is what must have caught me. Like, and when I say soul, yes, your, your soul, your soul, soul, but also I think it is that soul, that New Orleans soul. I mean, it grabbed me the first time I heard you. And as soon as I found out you're from New Orleans, it all made sense. I was like, uh, okay, this is it. <laughs> That's why. Thank you, Shanna. I mean, it's, it's cool that your show is called Sense of Soul. And my teacher training program is called Soul School. One of the reasons why I named it that was because it lives in New Orleans. Uh, and New Orleans is such a soulful place. And I've often thought about you know, what's the difference between soulful and spiritual and, you know, just kind of fun to, to reflect, you know, upon that. And for me, it has something to do with the earthiness, uh, a groundedness, the, the land, the water. There's a sense of flavor. And what's interesting, we were talking earlier about you guys living in Colorado. And uh, when I go to places that are higher altitude, mountains, or even like the San Francisco Bay Area, where it sees like this kind of palatial, literally high you know there's a sense of like maybe spirit but not perhaps necessarily like this that same kind of a sense of being of the ground and the water and you know uh, I know that sometimes you have guests that talk about the chakras for example Christie's new book about the chakras and years ago I had a conversation with a friend who compared the spine you know the human spine to, to the Mississippi River and uh, just thinking about like locations along that line being like chakra points, you know, well, well guess where New Orleans would be <laughs> down Great. low. You know, uh, we live in a culture that I feel like we're conditioned to think of higher as sometimes being better. You know, I often teach this as well, that that's not the case. They're just different places to dwell and to go down, to go deeper you know, has a, a power, you know, primal, primordial power to it as well. And I feel like, so New Orleans as, say, like a first or second chakra place, you know, has a primordial, like primal, uh, incredible, potent power oh. to it. And, oh, uh, my God. You know, we, oh, you're speaking to my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because we have a lot of people come, say, from California to do, like, our Bhakti immersion. Me and my band do this this event. And I just always trip out that people are coming to New Orleans to go on a, from California to go on a spiritual retreat. I love that, you know, and it's like, because it's giving them something different, you know. And, so and, different. And again, it's not about better or worse or higher or lower. I don't want to get caught in that duality. Uh, but yeah, New Orleans, it's, it's potent. <laughs> There's no place like New Orleans. Yeah. I used to cry when I got there because I knew I would leave. I still do. 
my soul belongs there. I know this. And I know this is because I have deep, deep, deep roots there. You know, doing my ancestry explains so much. I mean, I even have freaking Marie Laveau in my tree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I did my DNA test. It was a shocker. So much changed after that DNA test, especially how I looked at the world. But the one thing that didn't change was my love for New Orleans. <laughs> And you described it like I've never heard. And I think it's the feelings inside of me that you just put into words, which I think you do so well in your music. Mm, I don't know what the hell these mantras are saying. I can barely (laughs) say the words, but yet you sing them so beautifully. Your band is freaking amazing. But then you also tell a story. And that is a way for me, anyways, to then learn more and connect more with the mantra. One of my intentions, you know, in creating mantra-based music is to try to not just, like, throw a Sanskrit mantra into any random melody, you know, or rhythm, but to really try to tap into the archetype of the mantra and, and what it represents for our humanity, which transcends culture, language, belief systems, Mm -hmm. systems, you know, it's like, there's a a metaphor that I often think about uh, Meister Eckhart, who was a great Christian mystic from Germany, he said, God is like a great underground river. And there are many wells that can take us to that river. And the thing that I am most interested and passionate about is the underground river and not getting too caught up in the wells. You know, I want to go below the things that oftentimes can separate us, you know, and cause a lot of suffering and dogma. And I'm the child of, uh, my mom was a nun. Uh, My father was studying to be a Jesuit priest in the seminary. And I have, um, you know, tons of aunts and uncles who are all ex-priests and nuns and, you know, (laughs) friars and deacons and... (laughs) And uh, <laughs> wow. So, you know, it, I feel like part of my kind of family karma is in a way to overcome dogma because so many of them experience dogma, hypocrisy, sort of tyranny of hierarchy and the suffering and the pain and the trauma and the damage that can come, you know, from experiencing that. My parents basically left the Catholic Church and raised us to be very sensitive to dogma, to have big antennas, you know, in a sense for that. And so I try to remember that, you know, in the music that I create and the teaching that I do. And I'm not one to be someone who says that I I have the answer or to teach from a system that says this is the system. I really try to create space for people to be empowered in their own voice, you know, in their own sensitivity to what's meaningful, you know, for them. So I seek to do that, you know, in my band, we seek to do that through our music. And one of the ways is really the, the archetypes, the, the deeper kind of symbolism of what these mantras represent. I think that can take us to the underground river. So there's a mantra, there's the, obviously the, the literal translation of that, then there's the symbolism of it, and then how does the music create the feeling, you know, of that and help to take people on a journey to connect to that in their own way you know, through their own symbols, you know, and tap into their own meaning there. So it's been interesting, especially on our newest album, Mystery, to work more with English, you know, side by side with mantras to try to make them even more accessible, particularly for people, as you said, who are not maybe practicing yoga or familiar with these 
you know, beautiful, powerful Sanskrit sounds. And the other thing is I've always been interested in honoring the practice of chant in lots of different traditions. Uh, our last album, Unity, actually had chants from different cultures and traditions. And so it's about trying to find a universal way to uh, connect to spirit that's not necessarily attached to a particular system or particular dogma. That is amazing. So is that what really inspired you then for this new album, Mystery? Mystery came from a conversation I had with my bandmate, Alvin Young. He and I love to just have conversations about different things, but this one kind of traced to spirituality. He was talking about he was hanging out with some friends who were hardcore atheists, and uh, he respects them a lot, and they're very, you know, very intelligent, and they were having a really deep conversation about God or the divine or spirit or whatever you want to call it, and his friends were adamant, you know, that doesn't exist. And he said, you know, I, it's hard for me to believe that someone wouldn't actually believe in at least mystery, at least the sense of not knowing, but that there's some sort of a force. And it doesn't matter what, what it looks like, if it's someone with a long beard or if it's, you know, whatever, uh, that there's a mystery, there's a mysterious force that uh, can help to guide us that we can tap into or that it, that even exists beyond us and transcends us and so we had a great conversation and as he said that just this kind of spark went off I was like man I'd love to create an album honoring mystery uh, in a sense just like gospel music like honors Jesus <laughs> you know or, uh, different devotional music from different traditions honors like that particular expression of God or the divine which is so beautiful and so cathartic i'd like to make an album that just honors what we don't know <laughs> and celebrates that you know in a devotional way of that honor what we don't know yeah wow yeah that's huge <laughs> so i just want to dig in a little bit more i'm like i, I knew your story was going to be good i was telling shan i can't wait to hear his story so when you told me about your childhood and how you were raised and what your parents did, I was like, there it is. There's that story, <laughs> you know, because Shanna and I talk a lot about how a lot of times pain turns into purpose. We also talk a lot about how sometimes we have to do a lot of like inner child work to, to find it. You talked about the dogma. How did this shape your music? And were you like the black sheep then of the family or were you embraced for it? Sure. Thanks, Mandy. You know, we were raised really non-religious. My parents had had such a painful experience inside of the confines, you know, of the church that they turned their backs on it. it took them a little while. I'll tell you a funny story. My mom, they actually had their wedding in the chapel of the convent where she was a nun, and they had their reception uh, downstairs, like in the ground floor. And so there's a ceremony when you go in to be initiated as a nun where you actually marry Jesus. That's a wedding ceremony right. with Jesus, and they cut your hair. And so the joke in the family is that she married Jesus upstairs in the convent, and she married my dad <laughs> downstairs. <laughs> we actually have, like, home movies of both of those ceremonies, you know, and I never got around to it, but I was going to make a documentary and have them, like, juxtaposed, you know, the two ceremonies. So my parents really in a way I feel like raised us in rebellion, you know, in a sense, yeah. and also in their own healing. I also don't want to say that 
Catholicism is bad or that Christianity is bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. But for them, for their personal experiences, they had, you know, just experienced a lot of dogma. And so they raised us without it. And that created a kind of an openness, I feel, a sense of maybe healthy skepticism at times. I would say definitely a hint, particularly from my father's <laughs> a cynicism a little bit, which I think can be at times healthy, you know, as well. You're a blessing of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. So when I started to go more down the spiritual path, I think at times my parents wondered what was happening, but they were supportive all the way through. We also were raised with Joseph Campbell was a big figure, you know, in our family, Power of Myth. We watched that together and Follow Your Bliss, you know, was a mantra in the family. And my parents are incredible. They always supported me and my brother's passions, you know, and we, they did not expect us to take a certain path. They were listening to us and they wanted to give whatever they could to support us in following that. So when I started going more into spirituality in its different forms, I think they were perhaps a little maybe scared for me at times, but also totally supportive. And they come to every single concert. They know where I'm coming from. And I've shared with them that, they, like you said, they're a part of it. The reason I'm doing it is because very much because of, you know, the blessing of their story and what they've passed on. But Catholicism in, in Louisiana is no joke. You know what my mom told me when I was down there just a few weeks ago? She was showing me some old pictures and they, her and her sister were showing me. We were saying goodbye to our brother who was going to be a priest. And I said, wait, what? Who, who was going to be a priest? And she was like, well, back then, if you had a big family, it was kind of known that one of you would be a nun and one of you would be the priest. They looked at me like, yeah, that, that was like a thing. It was huge. You know, and my grandparents, I think, were very well respected because so many of their kids ended up going to the convent or seminary so. or uh, monastery. And that mattered. It mattered a lot. Yeah, it was really, mm -hmm. really significant, you know, at that time. Sean, you said something that I just love, healthy skepticism. Those two words together are really cool because I know when I was a skeptic about certain religions and when I was searching, I had guilt for being a skeptic. I, I don't know where that came from, conditioned maybe, but I love that you put those two words together. Yeah, I think they can go together. I feel like sometimes when we don't have a little bit of that filter we can be untethered, you know, in a sense, and ungrounded. It can create that sense of not maybe not being anchored. And so I think skepticism can be a force that can anchor us and help us to filter whatever experience we're having, whether it's a teacher or a person or a teaching or, uh, you know, where someone's coming from. I think it's good. It's a good tool to have. But again, if it gets, if it's too much and it becomes sort of toxic cynicism, it can shut everything down and close off our hearts, you know, and our, and our souls. So I think there's like, like anything <laughs> in moderation, it can be really useful. Yeah. Well, keeping that curiosity, which I heard in one of your songs that I was listening to on, in your new album that's coming out really just absolutely amazing. And so many different things I was feeling like, you know, in the beginning of turn the wall into a door. I mean, the beginning is so New Orleans. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs>
but then, you know, you had other songs that literally put me in tears because they were so beautiful. And you have a gorgeous voice. Your band is freaking incredible. Can you talk about your band? Sure. Um, well, it kind of goes back to what Mandy was talking about with, um, I think you said, finding purpose through pain. And uh, I know that that is something that, you know, many of us in a way have had like an initiation, like through some sort of pain or suffering that actually has opened us to a new possibility and that's actually a theme you know in the album which is how grace you know and blessing gifts live sometimes inside experiences that you know we would never think we would receive that you know from them so the band was formed our our birthday is Hurricane Katrina so when Katrina came to New Orleans I evacuated with my family uh, we left for Austin, Texas. We stayed in a Motel 6 there and watched CNN, uh, watched the city. At first there was a sense of relief because it was like the storm shifted a little bit and we thought we were spared. And then, you know, a few hours later, we realized that all the levees had failed because of the failure of the design of them. And the city was slowly filling up with water. So 80% of the city flooded. And um, many people perhaps remember or have seen images of, you know, the state of the city at that point. So many, you know, people died and displaced. So it was really horrible to watch. I remember even driving out of the city and just having this horrible feeling, you know, in my gut and just bawling, like just thinking it's never going to be the same again. So we were in Austin and I've sent my first text message, you know, in a motel, you know, after that and, and, you know, on the old... um, flip phone and uh, because all the cell phone towers were down and anyway daily we go to this bookstore where they had wi-fi and i had a laptop and i would go check my email and i started getting email messages from yoga communities all around the country who i'd never met before they were just asking what they could do uh, how they could help and something that i had always wanted to do was to tour you know, with with a band and go around. And I'd been doing some workshops here and there around the country, but this was a kind of a dream. And so I came up with the idea to do a bunch of benefit concerts, you know, and see if we could raise some funds for some causes related to recovery from the storm. And so I responded to the emails and said, well, would would y'all be interested in having us come, you know, and play some music and we can raise some money to support, you know, what's happening in New Orleans. So many of them said yes. And that was the seed <laughs> of the band. Uh, I'd been playing with my brother, Matt, at the time. who was one of the founding members of the band. He was with me, you know, at the motel. And he was like, hey, man, I don't have anything <laughs> better to do. Can I play my sax and my guitar? Sure, let, I'll go. Uh, I called up my friend Alvin, who just moved to Asheville from New Orleans uh, one week before Katrina, like, sold his house packed up his stuff and moved. Oh uh, my gosh. And I said, yeah, you want to join me and we can cook up some music. And so our current percussionist and vocalist, Gwendolyn Coleman, was living in Asheville at the time and we met her there. And she eventually, you know, just a couple months later joined, moved to New Orleans, which no one was doing in September 2005. (laughs) Everyone was moving away and we started going around and it was very raw. It was really vulnerable. We were singing with people who were really feeling, you know, for New Orleans. You know, it was one of those times in a 24-hour news cycle when so many things are happening and, you know, it's just like you just get numb watching all the 
bad news. It was one of those stories that captured, I feel like, the imagination and the hearts of the whole country and the world. So we were chanting and singing and releasing and crying, and it was really powerful ritual in a way to participate with people. People opened their homes to us. We raised a bunch of money. And so the story of the band comes from searching for some kind of grace amidst destruction, you know, and pain and suffering. And that has become really like a theme through our music. Now we're going on year 17 together. Wow. So I don't, I don't know that my body has ever had chills this long. <laughs> like that entire time that I'm looking down, like, I don't know that my, my body has ever had like goosebumps this long ever. Like there's just that story and the way you say it. I felt it. I felt it. Wow. What a powerful, powerful story. Do you have video of any of these events that you did? I don't really have, uh, don't really have much besides a few photos, you know, from that time. You had shitty yeah. phones then. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote a song that we could consider sharing uh, just as a way to piggyback on that story called I Will Rise Again. And it really comes from originally the, the experience of Katrina, you know, in New Orleans and wanting to work with the mantra uh, Om Namah Shivaya, which is one that connects us to the spirit of, of transformation, which sometimes can come in the form of destruction or endings, you know, things shifting forms. And, you know, one of the things that causes so much suffering is when that happens to us in different ways and wondering, you know, what's going to happen and not, not being able to see, you know, what's ahead. And so the mantra is really sung to help us to cultivate like a sense of faith amidst challenge, adversity, uncertainty, destruction. That almost brings tears to me because it's so heavy on my heart is it's like I want all to listen to that and that we can all just pray and hope that out of destruction that there will be something greater. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful words. When we hear the word mantra, it's become just like um, an everyday word. What, what are the feelings attached to a mantra for you and what does it do to your body? Like what does this mantra and this music do for your soul and your physical body and what does it offer to others? So a mantra is a sound that can transform our consciousness. And one of the literal translations of it is a sound that can either help us to release ourselves from the restlessness and the anxiety of our minds, or it can actually 
focus our minds. And so it's a tool in a sense. And a lot of times people who are first introduced to mantras want to know what the meaning is. And that's important, but it's not really about the code, you know, of the meaning. It's more the experience of it, the physical resonance of moving sound as energy through the body, of vibrating our organs and our skin and our bone and our tissue and the impact and the effect that that has on our nervous system. And there have been some wonderful studies that have been done, particularly about that, the impact that chanting or singing can have on the way we feel. And there's a great uh, Sufi teacher named Hazrat Anayat Khan who said the voice is the barometer of the spirit. And this can be proven, let's say, you call up a friend or a family member in the first few seconds that you speak to them, there's a lot that's revealed just in the sound of their voice. So you hear, like, call up your mom, and you're like, Mom, are you okay? Because you can just hear in the tone of her voice that there's something a little off. Or, Mom, you seem like you're in a great mood today, you know. Well, mantra is, is actually recognizing the voice is the barometer of the spirit, but also that we can change our consciousness, our mood, through our voice, through sound, and that we can shift the way that we feel through the resonance of our own voice. And so there's been a bunch of studies done, everything from people who are recovering from cancer. One group chants, the other group doesn't. The group that chants recovers more quickly. There's a great doctor named uh, Dr. Alfred Tomatis who uh, discovered that there's a mechanism in the inner ear that resonates when we sing versus when we listen to music, and it feeds the brain electrical potential. There have been studies that have been done on pandits who are yogis who have memorized all of these Sanskrit mantras, and they they do studies on their brains, and they actually have a larger capacity for memory and recollection. And so you can see like significant differences in their brain patterns from people that you know don't chant. And one thing that I often try to connect with when I'm sharing mantra with people that are new to it is just to think about the common ways that sound is utilized. For example, in, in a hospital, surgeries are done with sound. So sound used to break up kidney stones, gallbladder stones, cataracts, all these blockages, specific frequencies of sound. Ultrasound would be another example you know, of that. So even the word sound, one of the translations of it is health. Right? If something is sound, it's healthy, it's sturdy. But what's interesting is we live in such a visual culture that's focused on seeing and projecting out there. And I think that a lot of times we take for granted the power of sound and vibration to oh, shift our yeah. awareness. Yeah. You know, after my near-death experience, I told people that I felt like I had to go blind to see. And a lot of times I do just that. I, I will specifically challenge myself to close my eyes for long periods of time. And I feel like that's when I can really, really actually see the truth and those inner deep messages. And, and you're right, you're taking things in without labeling it. You're just feeling it. Wow, thank you. Um, you were so poetic with your words. The way you just described that, beautiful. Could you please tell me that doctor's name or because uh, you mentioned Tom that Tomatis. inner ear, Tomatis? Yeah. Okay. And really interesting, he actually was called in. There was a, a Benedictine a monastery, I believe it was in France, and there were a bunch of monks that had been there for decades, and they all fell sick at the same time. 
And so they brought in uh, all these experts to try to figure out why they were ill. And uh, so they brought in like, you know, somebody who said, you guys work too much. <laughs> you should work fewer hours, you know, and that didn't work. And they brought someone in who said, you're sleeping, you know, only six hours a night. You need to sleep more. And they got even more sick. So finally they brought in him and he did some research and figured out they had hired a new uh, head of the monastery who was a reformer. And one of the things that he told them is that they shouldn't be chanting during the day. They would chant, I think, six or seven times a day, the Vespers, and they stopped. And that was the thing that marked the point where they started to fall ill. And so Tomatis wow. asked them to start chanting again. And as they started to sing again, their health came back. And he was fascinated as a doctor and as a scientist, why did this happen? And that's when he discovered that inner ear. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I was chanting because I was trying to, it was a miracle for me. I had some post-COVID symptoms with my stomach, did some chanting specifically to work that vagus nerve. But at the same time, I ended up having like severe case of vertigo and had to go to the hospital because it wouldn't stop. It was all inner ear stuff. It's so wow. crazy. Yeah. Wow. No one could ever explain that, but that was all around the same time. Wow. I also thought about the power of chanting. I've heard from people that like they will go to an event and like all of a sudden because people are chanting and becoming very powerful in their words, they find themselves doing destructive things like vandalism or doing things that are out of character for them because it's almost like it, they're in a trance, like they get caught up in the chanting and the sounds and the energy of the, and it ends up being like a negative thing. So, I mean, it can be powerful in both the dark and in the light. Yeah, I mean, I feel like chanting is a practice that brings to the surface sometimes what we haven't integrated inside of ourselves. One of the things that I really love and value about bhakti yoga, which is the one of the forms of yoga that chanting, you know, is a significant practice, is that it honors all of the full spectrum of human emotion. It's not the kind of new age woo woo, let's it's all love and light and let's all, you know, unicorns and sparkles and try to be happy all the time, but really honoring the full palette all the colors you know of the human experience and again not being dualistic and thinking about dark as bad and light is good but more honoring like all the different shades of that so when we chant sometimes yeah we can find I, personally i'll speak for myself I can find myself tapping into a grief or an anger you know that is inside of me and i find the practice to be incredibly liberating because it helps me to purge that and so I find it to be both a practice to exercise our emotions, uh, lots of different kinds of feelings and moods, but also in a sense to exorcise, <laughs> you know, clear and purge and, and like release that. and let go, you know? Yeah. Do you have to sing good to do this? Absolutely not. And that's one of my missions is to create brave spaces for people to sing because we're dealing with so much crap from our culture our dominant culture here in, in the united states and beyond that is not very uh, supportive of people singing together in public there's so much um there's so much negativity and competitiveness and judgment and really dysfunction i find and it's cutting us off from one of the most powerful gifts that we have as human beings, which is to use our voice to, to sing, to speak our truth, 
And so when we don't sing, you know, so many of us, including myself, are carrying around wounds about our voice. Maybe we had a family member who told us not to speak, or maybe we had a coach who uh, criticized us, or maybe the, the choir teacher who was like, shh, how about you just mouth the words, okay? You know, it's like, I think a lot of us are carrying around incredible amount of woundedness around our voice. And so what I love about creating spaces for people to sing inside of is to try to disarm that and and make a space for people to heal their voices in the simplest way by just singing. (laughs) You know, your voice, it's very emotional, you know, and so many people just find all of that pain, you know, and suffering wells up, but it's an incredible way to release that. And I really want to encourage everybody, try to find a safe, brave space to sing, even if it's a closet or the shower, your car, because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. so therapeutic, you know, it's amazing. I read an article that you wrote, it was called, I think the one man found his authentic voice by singing for inspiration. It was on your website. First of all, you're such a beautiful writer, but I loved how there was this one part that stuck out to me. You talked about how you think of the founders of yoga as the mad scientist of consciousness. I loved that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that for me, it's been really and I, and I think this is an important path for everybody who both practices and teaches yoga, particularly those of us that are coming from not the culture of origin, you know, of yoga. Yoga has its roots in India, and I think it's really important to find ways to name that, you know, and recognize that and honor that, be authentic to that, respect that. And, and this has been my path to find my own voice and to recognize my own sense of belonging inside of that to try to find an authentic way to respect tradition and roots but also to find my own path and honor my own ancestry you know and influences so uh, for example i studied both yoga as well as indian classical vocal music with indian teachers Uh, One of my primary teachers is a man named Russell Paul, who wrote a a wonderful book called uh, The Yoga of Sound. He's from South India. And the first few years of, you know, being exposed and practicing and studying with him, I was trying to sound like him. (laughs) And that was my goal was to mimic in a sense. And I think that this can be a, a great stepping stone, you know, in any learning process to mimic our teachers is important for a time. But at a certain point, I realized that I'm not, I wasn't born in India. It's impossible for me to sing exactly like that. I wanted to try to find a way to honor what I was learning, but also to recognize and to name and to feel a sense of belonging in, for example, New Orleans. My Irish ancestry, which is a huge influence you know, on me from when I was a child and before, and also the music that has inspired me since I was a child, rock music, (laughs) funk, you know, uh, folk music, you know, to try to find a way, and even as a yoga teacher as well, to contextualize the teachings of yoga, which have their roots in India, but to try to build bridges inside the culture and the time and the place, you know, that I'm living in now. It's not everybody's path, you know, at all, and I have great respect for friends who 
have been studying, for example, Indian classical vocal music for decades, you know, and they've just gone deep, deep down that well. And their goal is to be as steeped in that as possible. But I realized that was going to be a presence and I wanted to respect that presence. But my sense for authenticity and sincerity comes from naming, you know, and trying to explore my own. Really? That authenticity is what captured me. I can't believe you played at the Jazz Fest. I mean, there's so many opportunities to be musical in New Orleans. I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite song of your own? Of my own song? That you guys have done. Maybe one off of the new one and we can play some of it. Sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, I'm just going to name the one that comes through right now, you know, in this moment, because it's hard to choose. But uh, this really goes back to that sense of pain and purpose, you know, as well. There's a song called Dark Night on Mystery that means a lot to me. I want to share what it's about, but also don't want folks to listen to it and think of my story. I hope that they listen to it and connect to their story. My brother, um, Jeremy, um, passed away in a a drowning accident um, seven years ago. And, uh, you know, it's been an incredibly painful experience. And it's been really traumatic, you know, for, for our family, as you can imagine. And so I was, you know, been grieving that for a long time. And I think we'll always, you know, there'll be a sense of grieving. But I, I was with a friend who asked me as a part of my grieving process to, to write a song, to compose a song, to try to help to move the energy and to try to find some expression, you know, inside of that of that grief. And so this song came from that process. And the song is really about um, grief, the journey of grief. And my journey in relationship with my brother has come from one of uh, still incredibly like missing his physical presence, his laugh, his hug, you know, his, he was very um, hilarious and like our family storyteller and had such a powerful a visceral like physical presence and I just like miss that every moment but over time I've been able to develop a subtler relationship you know with his spirit and connect to that you know in different ways and so the song is really about like wanting that it's about honoring grief and that sense of separation and pain but then like praying for connection you know, with that one that we've lost, or you could even translate it to that's part of ourselves that we've lost. We've been singing it for a few years live and sharing it with people, and something really powerful came through when I was recording it uh, that for some reason, when you asked that question, felt like maybe this is the one, you know, one of the songs to share today. It's called Dark Night. Thank you. 
sharing an experience that I had um, the first tour that I did with the band after Jeremy passed away we were in a little yoga community in Hilton Head Island South Carolina and uh, it was really raw to go out and even be in front of people again I just felt so um, exposed you know in a sense and and had been just deep in grief with my family for weeks and then it was a few months before we went out and uh, so it was it was raw but one of the beautiful things about the music that we create is it's about vulnerability you know and and I feel like if I'm not being vulnerable to a point then I have no right to ask that you know of other people so so we you know invite people just to connect to their depths and so as I was singing there suddenly I felt my brother's presence got like a I wouldn't say it was like a voice necessarily but like a just the thoughts came through so strongly and it was basically the message was I'm, I'm giving you all my strength and I'm pouring my strength into you and as that was happening my voice just was filled with um, power you know and like change it shifted the volume the resonance the image was just like this energy and again I don't I don't want to sound <laughs> too woo here but this is what happened and I also want to share that there were a lot of people and maybe folks have experienced this when you're grieving a lot of people in wanting to console you will say things that may or may not resonate <laughs> and a lot that don't resonate but this this was it man this was like a personal visceral uh, actual experience that was not my imagination and uh what was interesting was, uh, and I was so grateful for it, you know, and I wept and, and sang, and it was just so powerful. And it was, su- yeah, it was such a gift. A few weeks later, we were in uh, uh, Pennsylvania at another event, and a woman walked up afterwards, and she said, uh, I have a question for you. Um, you mentioned your brother. Do you ever feel his presence? And I said, I, I do. I said, I have recently, actually. And she said, because he was with you tonight and he was pouring all of his strength into your body. Her exact words. And she was like, I suppose, you know, a a medium or, or, you know, just had the ability to see um, beyond the visible world. And Mm -hmm. it was the the thing that if she, if I hadn't had that personal experience and she came up and told that to me, I would have been like, thank you. (laughs) That's lovely. Thank you very much. But I had an experience to, to back it up and it just, solidified you know that sense of there being something very mysterious but very present Mm -hmm. in the world that we cannot see thank you for sharing that and i'm so sorry for the loss of your brother i unfortunately share that pain and i'm so uh, sorry yeah my my brother's been so heavy on my mind lately because of uh he was killed in iraq and with all this news coming out and it's been really hard, but you know, um, my brother loved William Topley. So I think tonight I'm going to go put William Topley on my radio and I'm going to dance around and think of what you just said. And I'm going to move that energy. I'm going to dance with him. And that's not woohoo at all because I've had many experiences like that. And I grieve for your family too, because my family has forever changed. You know, you grieve your old mom, your old dad, you know, because they've changed. And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Mandy. Yeah. Thank you so much.
Sean, it has been such a pleasure. I love your music. I love you. I want to be friends with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Shanna. That sounds great. I, I want to visit you when I come to New Orleans. Come on I'd down, love to y'all. meet you. You're a busy guy, though. How many locations do you have right now? How many different studios you got going on? Over well, there? we have we have one studio. We unfortunately had to close our, our downtown studio with COVID. Oh, and that was, you know, yeah. another thing to grieve. Oh. But in a way, it feels really right at this time to focus, you know, on one. So where is that location? We're in Uptown, New Orleans, not far okay. from Tulane and Loyola universities for folks that are, you know, somewhat familiar with the city. Yeah. Um, can I also mention, I love the shout out to Black Lives Matter on your website. Racism is, is definitely always been an issue in Louisiana, but we all need to find that voice and feel brave and courageous enough to speak up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so easy to get numb in our culture and it's so easy especially given all of the stimuli you know that's happening around us to forget about each other and to lose touch with how interconnected you know we all are and one of the unfortunate repercussions you know of being isolated in certain communities and sometimes that isolation is based on you know privilege and you know, race and and so many other things is that it can really um, compartmentalize our reality to where we lose empathy, you know, for each other, you know, as human beings. And, uh, and then in that losing of empathy, we lose our own sense of responsibility and uh, purpose. So yeah, I think it's really important for uh, folks to find their own, again, authentic way to integrate uh, social causes and social justice into spiritual practice and I think sometimes you hear the expression thrown around a lot bypassing spiritual bypassing and uh, you know really it's about how we are not acknowledging humanity Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes thinking of spiritual practice as an escape from reality uh, rather than as a way of of being more purposeful you know and feeling Mm -hmm. more responsible for not only ourselves and our own personal journey but you know, the collective as well. Be a better freaking human. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to encourage Shanna to share her mini series that she put together about um, New Orleans um, and some very enlightening knowledge and wisdom and stories and things that have been lost. It is the most moving story. She did such a wonderful job. I think you should share it with him because he's going to learn so much about New Orleans that he hasn't known. And she's put in like little tidbits of music in there. I don't know, maybe he could add a little tidbit for you in it. It's so beautiful, Sean. It is, it's so moving. You're, you're going to be mouth dropped at what she's discovered over the last like three years. It's painful, but it's also beautiful. And it's going to blow your mind. We are so afraid to speak up we have not spoken up in so long that the history is just erased it's very strong in my heart to share the stories shanna is very passionate about how we don't honor our ancestors like other cultures and that's what her passion is is really helping people to find their roots and to honor those people that are in our soil that have Mm. have made us who we are today that's so beautiful. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. As y'all were talking about ancestors, 
it reminded me of a song that we have on Mystery, which is called Healing. And in a way, it feels like a good follow-up to Dark Night as well. And this is a, a song that I wrote in Ireland because whenever I go to Ireland, I've, and I've had the blessing to be able to go there many times, I just feel this deep, powerful connection to my ancestors and so much music just comes through. And this is also a place that has experienced a tremendous amount of pain, you know, and suffering and persecution and colonization. A lot of the music that I have learned from Irish traditional music actually comes from that. That's uh, there's sad, <laughs> sad songs as well that are used to, you know, to heal. But this song is called Healing, and it has a chant in it from the from Gaelic, from Irish Gaelic, that honors um, Bridget, who's both a goddess from pre-Christian Ireland as well as a a saint uh, from Christian Ireland, who represents the power of healing, the home, the hearth, protection of the vulnerable, the poor, uh, animals. Uh, and I've always just felt like a deep connection to her and wanted to do, dedicate a song to her. Thank the, you for saying that. <laughs> I was going to ask you, who the hell's Bridget? Maybe yeah. it's <laughs> And then the lyrics actually come directly from Irish blessings, which, oh. you know, have been shared for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years as a way of making the path of life, which can be really hard, a little bit easier, like a gift that, you know, people can give to each other. So the song is really, you know, about that. It's about just calling upon healing, creating a space for healing, and naming these blessings. So I'd like to just offer this song as a gift to to y'all and to your listeners. And I hope that uh, there's a little piece, you know, a little seed in there that might touch your hearts. Yeah. 
love that song. Thank you so I much. I love man. that, love, love <laughs> that song. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Where can people find you? Can you please share your information and let us know about the release date um, so everyone can hop on this and get this? Sure. So uh, if you want to know more about the work I do in a relationship to the band, it's Sean Johnson and the Wild Lotus Band.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to know more about what I'm doing in the world of yoga and yoga teacher training, as well as Celtic spirituality, you can go to wildlotusyoga.com. I have a weekly online class that I share. Uh, we always do some singing inside of that, as well as some, some vinyasa yoga. And I hold space for a teacher training program called Soul School that I guide with my dear friend Mitchell Blyer that uh, will be starting in January of 2022. And I also do every six weeks a Celtic spirituality online session uh, around the wheel of the Celtic year with my dear friend Mary Megan from Ireland. And we also host retreats, spiritual retreats in Ireland together. We've got one coming up in April of 2022 on a little tiny island off the west coast of Ireland where the first language is Gaelic, and uh, it's just such a beautiful, enchanting place. Wow. So those are some of the things. Uh, <laughs> I am drawn to Ireland. I see it in my dreams. I, I don't know why I'm drawn there, but I know I'm supposed to go there. I've got Irish, obviously, as well, but wow, maybe, whew, April. It's a very huh? special place. Yeah, I totally encourage y'all to Maybe go. I'll make it a birthday present to myself. Whew. That'd be amazing. <laughs> hey, maybe you'll make it for your best friend, too. Yeah. <laughs> We're both Tauruses. <laughs> All right. My son is a Taurus. I have one more really quick question. Wild yeah. Lotus, what does the name of your band mean to you? How did you come up with it? Great question. I was a part of a music project with uh, my friend Hans Grunig many years ago, and we were trying to decide what to name it. And we did an exercise where we just wrote a bunch of words on little sheets of paper and scrambled them all around and then started uncovering them and putting them together. And Wild Lotus came together, and I was like, dude, that's, that's it. That's the one. And he didn't like it. And he was like, it's great, but I'm not really feeling it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to save it for something else. Well, opened a yoga studio. There it was. And the band, you know, as well. I like uh, wild as, you know, wilderness, uh, which I think spiritual practice is all about going into the wildness and the wilderness, the unknown, the mystery, you know, of consciousness and that which we can't see and exploring that. And then the lotus is a symbol in the east of something that also grows from the darkness, from the muck, from the mud, from a place that we can't see. And the pushing up through the mud, this lotus mudra, uh, the pushing up through the mud actually, you know, creates the beauty that eventually blooms, you know, at the top when it reaches the water and the surface and the sunlight. So it's, it's a symbol in Hinduism and Buddhism as well for the spiritual journey. And one of my favorite proverbs from Buddhism is no mud, no lotus. <laughs> oh God, Sean, I'm serious. You've been such a blessing Thank to our all. podcast. I am so excited. I'm such a big fan. Thank you so um, much. I'm serious, like go Sean and the Wild Lotus Man. I'm, I'm so supportive of your music. I send your stuff to people all the time they love it my whole house loves your music and 
You help me clean. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm going to dance to your song with my brother tonight. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Really appreciate what you're doing with the podcast and all the many inspiring guests that you have. And I'm excited to share it with my friends and fans as well. Yeah. When is yeah. this release again? Say it yeah, again. Yeah. So Mystery is our new album. It's the first album we've had in seven years. And it's coming out on October 29th, 2021. It'll be available on all of the streaming platforms as well as Amazon, anywhere you can you can stream or purchase music. It'll be there. We'll have some other ways we'll be celebrating the release as well. I love that it's dropping right around Halloween too. There's a lot of mystery in Halloween. <laughs> exactly. You know, the Celts Ew. believe the that's the Celtic New Year because they believe the world is born from the darkness, just like we are born from our mother's wombs, the darkness of our mother's womb. So Samhain, mm -hmm. Halloween is that, that New Year time, that time of you know birth and possibility. So yeah, it feels like an awesome time to release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you, Shanna. Thank you, Mandy. So grateful to be with y'all. Good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Okay. Thanks, y'all. If you are looking for a way to enhance your connection with your higher self or get in deeper with your spiritual journey, let me tell you, this album, Mystery by Sean and the Wild Lotus Band, will definitely do this. This is soul music, people. You can get this album, Mystery, this Friday on any of the music listening apps. Sean and the Wild Lotus Band, Mystery, pick up this album. I guarantee your soul will be so grateful that you did. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.